0: We can all run, and some of us can run the mile in less than four minutes, but there's nothing that most of us can do that compares with the creation of the great G-minor fugue. Nash's genius was of that mysterious variety more often associated with music and art than with the oldest of all sciences. It wasn't merely that his mind worked faster, that his memory was more retentive, or that his power of concentration was greater— the flashes of intuition were non-rational. Like other great mathematical intuitionists, Georg Friedrich Bernhard Riemann, Jules-Henri Poincaré, Srinivasa Ramanujan, Nash saw the vision first, constructing the laborious proofs long afterward. But even after he'd tried to explain some astonishing result, the actual route he had taken remained a mystery to others who tried to follow his reasoning. Donald Newman, a mathematician who knew Nash at MIT in the 1950s, used to say about him that everyone else would climb a peak by looking for a path somewhere on the mountain. Nash would climb another mountain altogether, and from that distant peak would shine a searchlight back onto the first peak. No one was more obsessed with originality, more disdainful of authority, or more jealous of his independence. As a young man, he was surrounded by the high priests of twentieth-century science, Albert Einstein, John von Neumann, and Norbert Wiener. But he joined no school, became no one's disciple, got along largely without guides or followers. In almost everything he did, from game theory to geometry, he thumbed his nose at the received wisdom, current fashions, established methods. He almost always worked alone, in his head, usually walking, often whistling Bach. Nash acquired his knowledge of mathematics not mainly from studying what other mathematicians had discovered, but by rediscovering their truths for himself. Eager to astound, he was always on the lookout for the really big problems. When he focused on some new puzzle, he saw dimensions that people who really knew the subject—he never did—initially dismissed as naive or wrong-headed. Even as a student, his indifference to others' skepticism, doubt, and ridicule was awesome. Nash's faith in rationality and the power of pure thought was extreme, even for a very young mathematician, and even for the new age of computers, space travel, and nuclear weapons. Einstein once chided him for wishing to amend relativity theory without studying physics. His heroes were solitary thinkers and supermen like Newton and Nietzsche. Computers and science fiction were his passions. He considered thinking machines, as he called them, superior in some ways to human beings. At one point he became fascinated by the possibility that drugs could heighten physical and intellectual performance. He was beguiled by the idea of alien races of hyperrational beings who had taught themselves to disregard all emotion. Compulsively rational, he wished to turn life's decisions-whether to take the first elevator or wait for the next one, where to bank his money, what job to accept, whether to marry-into calculations of advantage and disadvantage. Algorithms or mathematical rules divorced from emotion, convention, and tradition. Even the small act of saying an automatic hello to Nash in a hallway could elicit a furious, Why are you saying hello to me? His contemporaries, on the whole, found him immensely strange. They described him as aloof, haughty, without affect, detached, spooky, isolated, and queer. Nash mingled rather than mixed with his peers. Preoccupied with his own private reality, he seemed not to share their mundane concerns. His manner, slightly cold, a bit superior, somewhat secretive, suggested something mysterious and unnatural. His remoteness was punctuated by flights of garrulousness about outer space and geopolitical trends, childish pranks and unpredictable eruptions of anger. But these outbursts were, more often than not, as enigmatic as his silences. He is not one of us was a constant refrain. A mathematician at the Institute for Advanced Study remembers meeting Nash for the first time at a crowded student party at Princeton. I noticed him very definitely among a lot of other people who were there. He was sitting on the floor in a half circle, discussing something. He made me feel uneasy. He gave me a peculiar feeling i had a feeling of a certain strangeness he was different in some way i was not aware of the extent of his talent i had no idea he would contribute as much as he really did but he did contribute in a big way